You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from House for All Sinners and Saints. We are an Evangelical Lutheran Church in America congregation in Denver, Colorado, and you can find out more about us at www.houseforall.org. Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from the Triune God. We watched the 2006 film Requiem. It's a German film based on the life of Annalise Michael, who was a young woman who suffered from epilepsy and mental illness her whole life. But her deeply religious parents uh, refused to get Annalise psychiatric treatment. Instead, they colluded with their parish priests to have Annalise undergo secret exorcisms for 10 months while locked away in their home. Eventually, Annalise died from malnutrition and dehydration, and her parents and the priests were sent to prison for criminal neglect. It's a a horribly tragic story that has unfortunately inspired a number of sensational films like The Exorcism of Emily Rose. You might have seen that. However, this film, the, uh, Requiem, it refused that kind of sensationalism. And instead, it focused on how Annalise becomes trapped in her ever-shrinking world of her parents' fundamentalism. And as I watched her parents go to insane lengths to protect their daughter from the evil of the world, I thought about so many of you whose, whose lives were kept small by the extreme group thinking of former religious communities, your families, or maybe even the small towns you grew up in. I thought about how often religious communities begin with an outward-facing, open perspective to the world around them, welcoming the stranger, but then turn inward, making the world the enemy something we have to be protected from. It's as if the infinitely beautiful world that God made was possessed and controlled by Satan rather than loved and nurtured by God. So as I watched Annalise's community shut every last door she had to the outside world, I thought about the conversations I've had with so many of you after your families and friends shut yet another door in your face because you dared to go out and see what the world has to offer for yourselves, because you dared to come to a place like this or go to a gay bar, move to a new city, or even go to a coffee shop. (laughs) I love my family, but one Thanksgiving, my extended family rented a house outside of Asheville, North Carolina, One night, the young folk, me and my cousins, we decided to go hang out in a coffee shop. Well, um, we might as well have said that we were going to a brothel. (laughs) A relative warned, be careful. Really weird people go to coffee houses. (laughs) Don't talk to anybody. (laughs) It's funny, but their reaction reflects how often faith and religion just become synonyms for this kind of group thinking. 
rather than a, a liberating gaze into the infinite God of the universe. And this is why I love Pentecost and today's reading from Acts. I love that the early church chose this moment in time to represent that God's design is that the body of Christ have a fundamentally open posture to the world, not one where the world is our adversary. In first century Judaism, Pentecost was one of three festivals that required that people make a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. And so our reading today starts with this small group of basically country bumpkins. Uh, being from Galilee back then was like being from Leadville or, or Lyman. <laughs> and so in this story, these rednecks are in the big city in a crowd of pilgrims from all over the known world. It had to have been a frightening and intimidating time. Their leader, Jesus, is now gone from their sight and they're alone in a world where no one has experienced God exactly in the same way they had. It would have been understandable had they fled Jerusalem and hid away in a compound outside Nazareth, sharing the good news with only the most extreme, most suitable candidates to follow Christ. The world of the church could have stayed very, very small. But God wouldn't let that happen. No, like we just experienced, God sends a wind blowing from the four corners of the earth and fills the disciples with the language and perspective of people from all across the earth. The Holy Spirit opens them and directs the disciples to, ex to the experience of others. You know, besides for our private thoughts and emotions, there's nothing quite as intimate to humans as language. Language is what allows us to share with others, to share a piece of what's in our hearts and what's in our minds. Language is the closest thing we have to knowing what it's like to be somebody else. If you've ever learned another language, then you know that language isn't just different words that describe the same exact experience. Language reflects the unique experience of a group or people and this experience can be like wildly different one group from another. Maybe recently, it's been in the news, you've heard of these ethnic groups that don't have separate words, for example, for green or blue. And because of that, their minds actually don't see separate colors where ours do. They see the same color, perhaps a shade of the same color. So to really learn another language, you have to be open to stepping into the skin of the other, which is understandably a really terrifying thing. Before I went to seminary, I taught Italian for several years, but I didn't grow up speaking another language. In fact, I had resisted it for years. I'd refused to take a, a, a spoken foreign language in high school and started out that way in college, but... After I'd been in college for a while, a couple of friends told me that I just had to do this study abroad program in Italy, but I had to learn some Italian to go. And I remember sitting in the orientation, orientation session in Venice, Italy at the beginning of the program, and the professor said, some of you are going to catch the bug. You're going to fall in love with the language and want to keep studying it, and you won't want to ever leave. I remember that I audibly laughed out loud, and I said, it won't be me. 
I was still so attached to my own native culture that I, I just couldn't imagine it. I didn't see the point about caring that much about somebody else's experience. But then I caught the bug. I got hooked on the experience of seeing the world from a totally new perspective and the experience of stepping into somebody else's skin. I had to get to a place where I was no longer afraid of looking like an idiot when I tried to roll my R's or that I had to remember that tables and chairs all of a sudden had a gender. <laughs> what once was fear of the other and fear of being seen as other became opportunities for grace. Stepping into somebody else's skin sent shockwaves through my entire life, showing me that my life can be lived according to thousands upon thousands of combinations and permutations. This is the good news of Pentecost, that in following Jesus, God opens us up to the entire world and opens the entire world to us. Faith in Christ doesn't shut us up away from the world in a hermetically sealed universe where we're trapped forever listening to terrible Christian pop and avoiding coffee shops. And if following Christ seems to be closing you off from the world, then it's probably not the Spirit of God that's moving you. At Pentecost, the Spirit of, Spirit of God literally fills the disciples with like a total identification with the experience of others. So the other night when I was watching that movie about Annalise Michael, I began to think of Pentecost as a sort of reverse possession. Not a possession of demons, but that the disciples became possessed by the perspective of others. That they were overtaken by a new spirit of empathy and love for others. For Mexicans and Vietnamese, Iranians and Iraqis, Cubans and folks from Leadville and Lyman. When the wind of spirit filled their hearts and minds, this new openness to the whole world, it invaded and ultimately destroyed the hold that their small world had on them. And it destroyed the consequences of that group thinking. Consequences like what happened to Annalise were the smallness of her religion and thinking blocked her from being able to access the outside world. Just like such thinking blocks us from being able to access the outside world and to hear the voices of others, we need to hear. Otherwise, these voices become like a cancer screaming to be set free. You know, even communities like ours that start out as a refuge for all can easily turn inward and resist the perspectives of others. It happens all the time. But Pentecost reminds us that God is present in our church to keep us always turned outward. That the most important person in the room is the next stranger who walks through our doors and reminds us that God's table is set for the whole world. So on this Feast of Pentecost, I give thanks that the experience of others doesn't have to destroy us. I give thanks that at Pentecost, God set the stage for us to have a liberated and open relationship to the world. I give thanks that the many ways we lock ourselves up and those we love isn't God's plan for our lives. 
God who stepped into human flesh to set us free empowers us to do the same, to liberate ourselves and to liberate others. And that's really good news. Thanks be to God.